think any moment I feel uncomfortable as an artist is a, a moment I try to d dive into more. Like when I start feeling that, I'm like, okay, this is a good thing. Like the fact that I feel uncomfortable right now, that means it's new. That means it's, I'm getting a fresh perspective on it. So whenever I enter these new situations and I feel like that, I just try to go as deep as I can to the point where, you know, I kind of immerse myself into the, the subculture I'm, I'm studying or whatever it is, whoever it is. Hello and welcome to this Industry Life podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Haskell. I'm your co-host, Anthony Wilson. And I'm your producer, Katie Garland-Noble. Today's podcast, we will be talking to Anthony, and each week we are doing a introduction to basically your host. So this week it will be Anthony, and then next week it will be Katie. And then if you go back and listen to the previous episode, it was me. So hopefully you'll get to know us. It was an audience suggestion. So well, after we do these three episodes, then we're probably going to move on to having guests and then maybe just us three talking, but we will figure that out. Yeah, thank you for for uh, bearing with us while we kind of work out this mm -hmm. this new venture. So bear with <laughs> us through this process because we're learning. Hopefully you're learning and we're just one big old happy community. <laughs> Hell yeah, we are. And very quickly, friends out there, if you like what we're doing here, please subscribe and rate and review. It helps us so, so, so much. And uh, it takes us a hell of a lot longer to do this podcast than it takes you to rate. So we really appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Yes. And, oh, no, and, and uh, shout out to Anthony's mom for being our first review on Apple yeah. Podcasts. Mom, don't. That fake that fake alias you, you put was just like the Eleanor Elvinston or something. It's just like that's not a real name. It's like a name from like nineteen. It's your okay. dog too. It's You're not it your dog. Yeah, my this. dog's name. That is that is the fake name I use, Eleanor. Oh, I it's use... Katie. Oh, wait. oh I thought it was my mom because her dog's name is Eleanor. Oh my, no, I'm sorry, was... Katie. Not not to hate on your alias. I'm like, wait, that was my alias. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. It's Eleanor Evans, and you're welcome. Yeah, yeah thank you. <laughs> uh, uh, okay, I'm so sorry, Mom, well, and I'm sorry, mom, Katie. Your mom needs to rate and review. Yeah, no, she needs to get her, yeah. But she usually uses Eleanor, unless that's you on, like, all my all my stuff. <laughs> like my oh, my videos gosh. You and, and your mom are, like, both <laughs> using Eleanor out there. That's, uh, that's freaking amazing. amazing. I love that so much. I love your mom even more than I already did. <laughs> what? Wait, what's Eleanor's last name? Evans, I think. Oh, no, so it is Anthony's mom. It's Why? Eleanor Etherall. Eth yeah, that's, that's some that's some Nancy <laughs> stuff right there. That's some Nancy. Oh, Nancy. Thought. Love it, Brandon and Anthony. Okay, see, mine was like my two favorite boys. Da-da-da-da-da. So. Okay. Shout if, out to all our Eleanors out there. Yeah. Whoever <laughs> this Eleanor is, please uh, drop us an email at this. Industry I'm gonna, I'll ask my mom. It's probably her. <laughs> oh my god, that's amazing. Okay, uh, we got to the bottom of that. Great. Yeah. A 
Anthony by just telling us, um, just tell us where you're from, your background, yeah. tell us about your mom. She sounds like an amazing lady, <laughs> like just whatever. Sure. Yeah. I'll try to keep it brief. Um, <laughs> I am from a town called Troy, Michigan, outside of Detroit, Michigan. Um, and I was born there and raised there. And then I went to film school in Columbia in Chicago. Cool. And I moved to Los Angeles two and a half years ago, and my mom is a beautiful lady. Aww. <laughs> oh. Why did you move to Los Angeles? Was it just to pursue the film career? Um, yeah, I graduated from Columbia College of Chicago, and I feel like I kind of hit that ceiling there. Um, I think there's a lot of work you can do there, but um, I was searching for more, and I never thought of Los Angeles at first. It just kind of, um, I was dating a girl at the time who got into an acting school out there. And so we were kind of thinking about going there together. So there was that at play as well. And then um, one of the jobs, some of the jobs I was applying to during my senior year, a lot of them were in Los Angeles, and one of them got back to me. And yeah, and they wanted to do an interview in person or a work interview or what's it called when they like test you out for a day, whatever that's called. Like a, trial? a, meet, a meet and greet. Uh, there's like a name for it, but yes, essentially a trial or a meet and greet. Um, but it was for video editing. And so I went there again, I had no intentions of ever moving there. Um, and I, you know, I liked it. California is an awesome state and yeah. And so once I got the job, I drove from Michigan, um, to California and here I am. And what was that job? Um, <laughs> so no, I don't mind. Um, so I was applying to a bunch of jobs and one of the first jobs that got back to me was PETA, which is people for the ethical treatment of animals. If you oh, don't cool. know and which I'm sure everyone knows cause they seem to be impressed <laughs> a lot. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was for a video editing job for them and it was nothing again, just like Los Angeles. It was nothing I ever dreamed of doing um working for PETA or moving to Los Angeles um but they got back to me and the vibe at the office in Echo Park was really cool and it was somewhat in my field like I was gonna be working with Premiere and editing and directing so it was kind of like a social media video job because back in that that day like 2000 what was that 2017 um those like Facebook and like Twitter like quick quick bite social media videos were like all the rage you know like uh now this was one of them there's a bunch of like companies that did them and they were putting out those like videos about animals that were endangered and stuff and they'd have like the text and it's like you know square format and so i was doing a lot of those and i just never thought i would do any of those but you know i was kind of lucky that my first job right out of the gate was still you know still able to use premiere and stuff and once i worked there for a couple months they started to trust me and I even got to direct a PSA and do more like fun lifestyle stuff, I guess, that I could actually like shoot myself instead of taking a bunch of archival footage, editing it, putting text to it and, you know, sending it off to Facebook. So it kind That's of, I amazing. kind of grew. Yeah, I grew a little bit in the job and were able, was able to do some cool things I never thought I was able to do. Uh, taking a, uh, a job that you don't necessarily like want to be in for several years do you think that that helps you as a creative or do you think that that hurts you as a creative? That's a really good question. I think every first job is a stepping stone into something like there's something to take out of every job um, as a creative, even if it's you're like working at a suit tailoring shop or as a fry cook. Like I feel like there's especially if you're a director, you, there's a lot of story and character you can grab from 
working in a job that's outside of a creative field and into this like whole no, new world you've never been in. And that's kind of how I look at PETA is like, it's, it's a world I never, I never practiced veganism. I was always for saving the animals. I mean, who isn't, but I wasn't like diehard about it. Um, and so kind of going into that subculture was very interesting because I had, I knew nothing about it. Um, but as a creative, it did hurt me a little bit because while I was in LA, I wanted to get on set a lot and I was working a full-time job. So it was hard to balance both of them. And I would, I would, you know, work on set as a grip, a PA, whatever, while, you know, working those 40 hour weeks Mm -hmm. at the same time. And it was just a lot. Yeah. I think, uh, when you do do a job like that and you are restricted from being on set five, five days a week, it makes you more ambitious and inclined to be on set later. Definitely. It definitely made me hungrier. Um, because, you know, while I was sitting in the PETA office editing these little short format videos for social media, all I could think about was, you know, at the same time I was looking for sets and stuff. Just honestly, I started looking on Craigslist (laughs) out of all places. Um, and like, I think my first gig was from a Craigslist gig and I was supposed to be a grip and I like brought my Sony a seven S two, whatever DSLR and, or I owned back in the day. And I brought it on set thinking I was going to grip and just like maybe take some pictures. And I guess they had a worse or lower quality DSLR. And so they saw that I had the Sony. They're like, oh, do you want to DP this? That's amazing. Yeah, I wouldn't say amazing. It was it was interesting. Um, It was a really (laughs) weird Craigslist film set experience. But it was (laughs) it was uh, it was it was, you know, again, kind of going back to always looking for story and characters like I definitely like saw some. Kind of like disaster artist type, mm-hmm. <laughs> type of characters, like the room. Kind of. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It was interesting. Um, yeah, I think one thing as a director too is you. It's helpful to have all the experiences. Like you've had plenty of experiences, and we'll talk about another one. But West Virginia, mm. you just got back from West Virginia. Country roads so, take me home. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's. I think it's smart as a director that you are and aspire to be that you are going and putting yourself in situations um, that will in turn just make you a better person and understand the craft of filmmaking so much more. Yeah, definitely. I think any moment I feel uncomfortable as an artist is a a moment I try to dive into more. Like when I start feeling that I'm like, okay, this is a good thing. Like, the fact that I feel uncomfortable right now, that means it's new. That means it's, I'm getting a fresh perspective on it. So whenever I enter these new situations and I feel like that, I just try to go as deep as I can to the point where, you know, I kind of immerse myself into the, the subculture I'm, I'm studying or whatever it is, whoever Mm -hmm. it is. Yeah. West Virginia is one of them. Yeah. So we're already getting deep and we had just started, (laughs) but I really want to bring up this quote because I think it is, um, important for anybody in the creative field. And I really want to hear your thoughts on it. Mm. And then we will definitely talk more about yourself. But I think we can learn something about you from this quote. Okay, hit me with it. So I was watching uh, this new TV series on HBO. It's a docuseries. So there's this guy, Patton, and he's texting his wife. And his wife's writing a book. Um, and she does, And she's getting writer's block, and she doesn't know if she wants to publish the book. And this is what he sends her. Every creative object wants the safety and warmth of staying inside your head. 
you are trying to drag it out in the light. What she was writing wanted to stay inside her head. Mm. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think if if I'm deciphering the quote correctly, I think that's something um, that's a really good thing to say to somebody because I think a lot of times we protect our stories or our unique thing we're trying to do that no one has ever done before. At first, it sounds like really cool and you get all these sparks of enjoyment out of it. And you're like, you can't wait to do this. And then I feel like once you start writing it and, and rereading it or re-looking at that painting, whatever it is, you start to kind of think about what people are going to think outside mm-hmm. of your own head. You know, you're like, you know, this is cool. And then you start to self-doubt yourself, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, is that that uncomfortable feeling that you were talking about earlier? Yeah, I'd say so. I think, um, yeah, as I said, if, if I'm, if I feel uncomfortable or nervous, for example, around West Virginia, when I was shooting, researching for my film and then shooting this documentary, um, whenever I would like, I would drive and scout looking for characters in interesting locations. And whenever I saw somebody for, for example, like a family outside of, uh, their mobile home and they're like, you know, playing with like a sprinkler or something random like that, you know, in my head and with my, with what I like, I'm like, Oh, that, that's really interesting. Like I want to go get a mm-hmm. shot of that or talk to them. And I immediately get extremely nervous. And there was a lot of times when I first got to West Virginia where I would just keep driving and just let, let that thing go. Mm-hmm. And, you know, until I started facing that uncomfortability and facing those nerves, um, it, it was, you know, it was really gut-wrenching. But when I would go up there and approach them and actually get the shot, because usually, like, most of the time, like, you know, if you're just kind and, and, you know, mean no harm, like, the worst thing they can do is say no. And once I get the shot or was able to talk to them, like, the feeling after is just so rewarding. But it, honestly, it's it's so weird. It, it doesn't stay with me, though. Like, even after doing it so many times, it, every single person I approach or, you know, um, new story idea I, I, I approach, I still get those nerves every time. Mm-hmm. I think uh, as artists, I think we are very self-conscious people, and that's why Definitely. we do get very uncomfortable and try and not pull our creative things out into the world because we're just so nervous about this product that we have created. Yeah, it's you're very like even when I was just sending you guys some of my work for you to review, it's 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 a very naked feeling to like send mm-hmm. especially that much work. I mean, I wasn't expecting you guys to watch all of it. I was hoping you'd watch none of it to be honest, but um <laughs> just like sending that out there is just a really uh even just talking about myself on a mm-hmm. podcast like as an artist and what I do is just very uh it's yeah, it's a it's a nervous thing for me. <laughs> as it is anybody. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, my old acting teacher used to say, if you feel like you're being pinned against a wall, that's a good thing. Like, you're supposed mm, to feel exactly. that deep level of, like, fuck, why am I doing this to myself? Because then you know you're getting to, like, the guts and the vulnerability and, like, yeah. the honesty. Yeah, that's that's so true. And I think as a filmmaker, I, I always knew I wanted to do film since I was six years old. Oh, um, that's so cool. Um, but you know, when I got to Columbia, all the films I made, I felt like I was, anytime I was pinned against a wall, I would, you know, dodge it and I would get around it by making something that completely wasn't me or that completely distracted myself from the actual feeling I was, 
going through at the time or, you mm-hmm. know, if that makes sense. Like I was making a lot of like, I don't know, weird comedies that like had no drama or realism from me. Like any student film I made in the beginning was very much like that. And it wasn't until my last year where I kind of was forced to look inward as an artist and mm-hmm. as a storyteller by um, a class. It was like a, in an intimate class and you had to interview to get into it. And the interview process was pitching a story about yourself and to the professor of the class. And I went there with like three ideas. They were like serious because I've never really written anything serious, but they were about other people. They were about like my grandfather who was a POW in World War II and like my mo- I think my mom or my brother or something. But none of them had anything to do with like what I have gone through or my personal experiences. They are related to me, but it's just different. Um, and so he just kind of like, yeah, those all sound great, but like, what about you? And that's kind of, as soon as he said that, I kind of just like unleashed, Mm -hmm. I I just told him everything about myself and he took me into the class and then I ended up making something that, um, was, you know, for the first time that was from my own personal experience. That's a good story. And I think something about you that the reason you are so uncomfortable is because the stories that you do tell you are trying to find like that yourself within those stories. So I can see mm. why yeah, you are so uncomfortable with sending people your projects because when people do watch your projects, we can, we can feel you in the project and feel your experiences within the project. Yeah. It's kind of like you're sending people like different pages of your diary. Like it's, yeah, it's really, cause that's how filmmaking was like in, in the work I sent you. I feel like, a lot of the f- short, like, I know there was only a couple short films there, but both of those short films were, like, I wouldn't say they were, they, that's why I said they didn't represent me, because I don't think they're they're me, but they are uh, parts of me that have happened. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, when you write a journal or in a diary or whatever, you write what happened that day and the feelings you had that day. You could have been really agitated that day, but you're not normally an agitated person. And so that's kind of how I approach storytelling and screenwriting is, like, whatever I was feeling that day is what mm-hmm. I was making. And so... Um, if that makes sense, I don't know. But yeah, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah. I I recognize the themes in those two short films that you sent, um, and I kind of wrote that down. Like this sort of sense of a young man, like deeply isolated or kind of deeply lonely, but like craving connection. Mm. Um, and your the one film, um, Sunshine, is that the one you made um, at school, or is that different? That's, that's a, I'd say sunshine is like the, uh, like, uh, the one I made in school was different. That was kind of, I made a film called without me in college. That was my senior like thesis film, I guess. And I'd say that's kind of like a warm up to what I ended up making with sunshine. It's, they're, they're kind of similar themes. Mm -hmm. Um, definitely different, like, but, uh, yeah, I made sunshine when I first moved to LA. Yeah. Yeah. And there's like, I've seen your old one. Yeah. that your senior thesis yeah. and i can see so much more of you as a filmmaker in sunshine compared to your senior thesis yeah because again it was so new to me usually i'm used to like making like a stoner comedy or like whatever when i was in college and i feel like without me it was like that was the first time where i was looking inward and like i think i was still even putting things in there that i like i was just still like surface level yeah but to can... me it was like a huge leap of like um because I've always been a very closed off person. So even just like talking about uh, a delicate subject subject mm-hmm. like that in relation to me was just like the scariest thing ever. 
Yeah, so I, I think I think you can definitely tell in your in your senior thesis that you were wanting to scrape really really deep, but uh-huh. you as you were just not uh, comfortable with going there. Exactly. And I think with sunshine, you scra- you you're beginning to scrape scrape into several several layers. Definitely, I think sunshine. I that's why I because I feel like as filmmakers, you always have like a something you're just attracted to like a story or a theme and you constantly keep remaking a film that like kind of like when on your podcast and I was talking about the war genre if you felt satisfied that's kind of how I felt with the mental health sub- subjects which mm-hmm. I don't think I'll ever be satisfied because it's such a complex um theme mm-hmm. um and so yeah making sunshine was me trying to dig deeper because mm-hmm. I didn't in the last one uh, if I mean if you go back and you look at a lot of directors work like even Spielberg, mm-hmm. every movie is basically the same movie, just like different settings and different characters. Like, yeah. and I think that's part of being direct a director is you find that thing that you're just so passionate about that you just like can't stop thinking about, and you just want to make every single movie that you make in your life revolve around that somehow. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. Or, or they have just things that. I don't know, like a Wes Anderson or Andre Tarkovsky. Like they, mm-hmm. they have things within the first five seconds, you know, it's their film. Cause not even like a th- thematically or story speaking, but just like mm-hmm. just elements and sound like rain, for instance, and Tarkovsky or like Wes Anderson, obviously like you can mm-hmm. know within the first second. Yeah. Like, like uh, Scorsese, you know, a Scorsese movie when you watch it, yeah. a, because it's going to be a mafia movie yeah. <laughs> and like a Spielberg movie, you know, it's a Spielberg movie cause it's, basically a family drama that has like a 100 million dollar budget like they're all these directors they have and tarantino he's just like tarantino and you can yeah he's (laughs) one of those where you know within the first millisecond as well like yeah just by the text that pops up um just circling back to sunshine i just had a couple questions for you so the whole film, like, I, I think I told you before we started recording that, like, I felt like really, like, I've seen it before, but like, it really hit me this mm-hmm. time, um, like in a different way than it did before. Um, but I still, there's a sense of like foreboding the whole movie for me. And then the very end, it like turns on itself. Um, so I was just curious as a writer, or director, why you chose, and I love how it does that but why you chose to end it like that whereas it's kind of i don't know i felt like something way like more sinister was gonna happen basically oh yeah it's funny you say that because i was gonna shoot an alternate ending where that still happens yeah but it's more surreal and then it actually ends with just a bunch of blood in the shower drain okay that was my what i thought it's just really like even saying it it's just like it it's i I, yeah it's just like insane to think about um i i mean i remember saying it to my cinematographer and he really liked it but um yeah going back to like just what you were feeling that day even on like even when you're on set you have um different feelings that you brought to the that you bring to the piece and i guess on that day i just didn't have that in me but if I was you know if I if I had that idea while I was writing it I'm sure that would have gone right in there yeah but uh, you know while I was on set it yeah I had the thought but it didn't feel like something that felt close to home at the time but well I'm so happy it ends the way it ends yeah exactly (laughs) you know I'm very happy that it's a little more wouldn't say positive but it's yeah I, I guess it is positive but more neutral I guess 
not as dark I think as it's positive. blood in the shower I think... drain. <laughs> yeah, it's like too absolutely. much. <laughs> yeah, I'll post. A, I'll make a trailer. I've been working on that, anyways. It is done. Um, I'm just. I, I I submitted to a couple of festivals, so I'll definitely post a, a trailer. Yeah. Let's kind of turn to West Virginia because okay. I feel like that's a big part of your life now. Definitely. Yeah. Um. And I guess why did you decide to go to West Virginia for a month? Um, so I've been kind of, I've had West Virginia in my head for two years now. And the first time it kind of entered my brain was when I was driving home from my PETA job, (laughs) cruising down Sunset Boulevard. Um, and I played this album that I saw on like Rolling Stone. It was like the top, it was like top hundred albums of 2017. And it was called, the album was called Purgatory by Tyler Childers. And just the, like the name really was interesting to me and just like the album cover. And I had no inclination of what it was going to be, but I just like played it. Um, and I, was, I think I was down like Hollywood Boulevard at the time while I was playing it. And it's country, by the way. So like it definitely didn't match the setting at all. Like there was just like Superman running around and Spider-Man while this like bluegrass was playing in my car. And but as soon as it started, it transported me to wherever this guy is from. And I just immediately was so hooked to this artist's music. His name's Tyler Childers. And I just researched him and, like, kind of used the first time I went, went to West Virginia, kind of deciphered all his lyrics and found places he was talking about in eastern Kentucky and West Virginia. And kind of just, he was kind of like my imaginary tour guide where I just visited these places he talked about. And I just I was just searching for my own perspective because all his stories were so interesting that I'm like, what is it like to live here, and how does he how did he come up with these stories? Like, what who were these people he was meeting, and where was he? So, um, so yeah, I went there once and then loved it. Met a bunch of awesome people, and went there a second time. And then yeah, I just went there recently for a month, and it was also an amazing time. <laughs> Are you able to say where you stay when you when you go oh, there? Oh yeah, definitely. So the second time I went to West Virginia, every time I travel there, I never um, come with a plan. I mean, I guess the first time I did, but I I just kind of brought a tent and camped out. And then the second time, I flew in from LA and rented a car, and I didn't have a place to stay, like no Airbnb or anything. And I'm like, how do I like? I just know people in West Virginia are, are very nice people, and like I wasn't like banking on someone giving me a place like I was just kind of like gonna just you know I was like I'll get a hotel if I need to but I would go into bars just to like talk to people and you know I wasn't asking for a place to stay or anything but this guy um, he heard from another bar that I was at like five minutes ago I guess like word travels fast in small towns Um, he told him that I was here because of Tyler Childers and I'm like I'm interested in making films here and I, I was going to a Tyler Childers concert at the time and he's like, oh, yeah, you got to meet this guy at this bar. And so I went to the bar and he already knew I was coming. And he's like, yeah, I'm also going to the Tyler Childers show and having a bunch of people camp out on my property by the river. Um, and I have a tree house there and you can stay in the tree house, too. And this guy's name was Lou. And he was just like the coolest, like just like it, it sounds weird. I feel like to most people, if you live in L.A. and you're like talking to a random guy named Lou about a tree house, it could sound weird, but it was like totally genuine and yeah and he let me stay there and we all went to the concert together and like this modified grateful dead tour church bus like this these deadheads <laughs> like made this church bus into like their grateful dead tour bus and they're just like old hippies 
And so we all, and there was like a water bed in the back and I was like sitting on it and we just went to this concert and we had bonfires every night and took some mushrooms maybe. And I don't know, just <laughs> slept in a hammock. It was just what, amazing. What a shindig that must oh have been. Oh my God. It, I'm not even kidding. Like I was so like mad that I couldn't share this experience with anybody from mm-hmm. my childhood or from LA or just like anyone I know. Like I just wish someone was there with me because it was just like the most amazing experience I've ever had in my life. That's so cool. <laughs> it sounds so magical. And every time you go there, I feel like like magic just, I don't know, surrounds you or follows you. And I think it's probably because you do have like this genuine like passion and like desire to tell like true authentic stories about these people. Um, but it's still like I'll like I'll text you and then you'll text back and like say all these like insane things you're doing and I'm just like <laughs> so fucking cool dude like it's it's so it's so incredible and you do it like just like on a dime and a prayer you know what I mean like you do it because you love it and you're just like you're in that uncomfortable state and you're but you're trusting it and it it always works out yeah yeah definitely and you know and I've I've remained good friends with Lou and that's where I stayed Um, I haven't seen him since that that first trip I was or that second trip I was talking about with the mushrooms and all that that was uh last October and I just hit him up recently and asked if I could stay there again. And he let me stay there again. And yeah, I learned just this time it was, I was there for a month. So last time I was there for a weekend. So I really got to see like every, you know, corner of West Virginia, every little hotler, every town, every, all the, all the big towns, Charleston, Morgantown and, you know, everything in between. So, um, it was, yeah, it was the perfect experience. I got to learn a lot. Yeah. And, and from all that learning, you are now writing your first feature script. Yeah, I'm still definitely processing from that trip. Um, I have started writing a few a few times, but yeah, the script is called the feature is called "Take Me With You," and it's about a single mother who's battling an opioid addiction while trying to raise her six year old son who ends up getting to the hands of her estranged mother, who's like 70. And it's just kind of about her battling her drug addiction, trying to win back her, wouldn't say win, but like get in the arms of her mm-hmm. son again. And um, yeah, and I'm like 30 pages in, and I think I got more than enough information and research when I during my trip. But again, I'm just like processing still because at first I didn't have enough to write anything. Now I have too much and I'm like, don't know where to pin everything how to like you know put i have all the pieces i just don't know how to get the yeah, puzzle going sure. <laughs> um and then you're also you're also doing a doc too that you did while you were there yeah the doc's called wild and wonderful um which is the state's motto and it's kind of a look at both sides of west virginia um an unbiased look but it kind of shows what i would consider what makes the state wild whatever that means to you um and also what makes it so beautiful and wonderful and it's just like this observational documentary that i just last minutely decided to do while i was out there Uh, and um i just interviewed a bunch of people just like on voice memos on my phone and kind of snuck shots of people with my camera and also asked them but just like kept it rolling and yeah, and it's 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 there's a lot. There's like two terabytes of footage and like 25 interviews, and I want it to be like you know five to ten minutes long. So I got a lot of again too many pieces for the puzzle. Yeah, it gives you so many more pieces to a puzzle where you can actually tell the truthful 
uh, journey that you actually want to tell? Yeah. And I basically just interviewed like, again, kind of what I was talking about earlier, I'll just drive. And if I saw like, I saw like a guy sweeping up the steps of his church on like a Sunday morning before, you know, the mass arrived. And like, you can tell he was really into getting his church looking, you know, in a presentable matter before all, all these, you know, all these people come. Mm -hmm. And just like, those are these, these, I would just catch little glimpses of story when I would drive by these characters and I would just like hit the brakes and like approach these people. And yeah, they were, I don't, I only got turned down like once, like really. And I, I went up to several, several people. Yeah. So You're such a mature filmmaker because <laughs> I don't know. seriously though, yeah. like an amateur would never, you would never be comfortable enough to just stop on the side of the road and, and ask this guy what he's doing. So that way you can find a story. Like that takes a lot of, uh, chutzpah. <laughs> yeah. Chutzpah, yeah. I think, uh, yeah, I was definitely, thank you by the way. I, I think, um, I did have a genuine, approach too like it wasn't all about story too it wasn't like oh this is gonna be great for my career yes <laughs> like it was it was more like uh i'm just again i'm just so like when i heard tyler chiller's music the first time i'm just like what 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 is this world i've you know i grew up in the suburbs of michigan i i kind of had family that lived in rural sides of michigan and saw glimpses of it but i never i think that's why i'm so interested in it is because it's nothing i've ever done and um and yeah, when I approach people, it's like not even, even sometimes I would approach people and they'd say no, um, but I would just stand there and talk. They'd be like, oh, it's, I'm still down to talk to you though, if you want to talk. And so I'd have, like, I had a really good chat with this guy while he was just sitting there with his dog outside of like a tobacco shop. And it was honestly such an amazing, I should have, like, if I was really hungry for the story, I probably would just recorded it in my pocket, but I, I just, I don't know. I was having such a good time with yeah. him that I. You're yeah. more focused on authenticity and respect for people <laughs> rather than just money and yourself. So right, right. It's very honorable. Yeah, I, I'd agree. I think that's, yeah, I think that's my thing. That's what sets us <laughs> apart, Anthony. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, I do. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, no it's was, all you. I'm not asking questions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, so circling back to your script. Um, sure. Okay. I'm just, this is my, this is my, I get 30 seconds. To right, just, we'll, we'll, we'll speed it up in the edit. Yeah. <laughs> shine, shine, okay. shine. I read so many screenplays, um, more than I want to read a lot of times. Um, and Anthony is the best writer I've ever read. And that's not oh an exaggeration. God, don't say that at all. No, it's very true. And it kind of, kind of like, seriously shocked my pants off because i didn't think it was gonna be that good <laughs> <laughs> that's fine no offense no, i think it's all i good. just have like a low bar because i read a lot of people's scripts and Fair it's enough. not like i'm not and it's not because i'm saying oh i'm not disparaging other writers i'm just saying i i've never encountered a, a script that good and from somebody who's not like professionally screenwriting so I was just like really impressed. Yeah, thank. You. I, there's there's a lot. Of, I've definitely hit a wall recently. Like I think the first act, I think the f starting the story is always easier than getting into like the middle part, right? I mean, so that's kind of where I'm at now, and I'm definitely feeling that. Uh, I guess you can call it writer's block, but yeah, in that act two part. I think you have it. You just. I think you are. Like you said, you have so many things like that you want to put in there. So maybe you're just like 
hesitating instead of like just trusting mm. yourself with like the gusto you had from the beginning because i know the story is in you like that story is already on like a very clear trajectory in my opinion yeah thank you my god i hope so <laughs> <laughs> uh why do you think you're having writer's block right now is it because you're still digesting west virginia or hmm really deep question no, I, I mean, I low-key need all this to so I can get <laughs> home and start writing this thing. I think I think it's kind of going, maybe it's going back to that quote about mm-hmm. that, that character was having in that show or whatever, that documentary, um, and how it's just in the comfort of my own mind right now, mm-hmm. and that I'm, maybe I'm afraid to pull it out. I don't know. Um, it, also, it also might be, yeah, I think there's, I'm still processing, that's still at play. And also, I've just never, I've started features before, you know, I've never, I don't think I've got, gotten this far before, but I think that's exactly why I'm, I'm, I've hit writer's block, because it's uncharted territory for me. I'm just, mm-hmm. you know, I've, I've, I'm reading Into the Woods, you know, I'm reading the, the screenplay books and watching the screenplay, you know, videos and stuff. But like, like, I, I think I know how to write an act two, at least I think I do, but I just, how do I write my stories act two, you know? Yeah. Exactly. the way it's meant to be told yeah and i think as long as you have passion as a filmmaker um it all it takes is just time so yeah i think you're right i mean you hear those stories all the time which to me just i don't know i can't see it it sounds scary um when you hear about directors like if you read the behind the scenes of how this film was made it was like oh this this script sat in their drawer for 10 years and they finally mm-hmm. took it out like i actually don't want that ever to happen to me yeah i mean i feel the same thing i'm like one year and done like let's get this yeah but i think if uh as an artist that really wants to tell an authentic story the time will always tell you when it's right and that's what i was just gonna say is that sometimes you have to like put it in that shelf for a while yeah. you know so and that i mean i kind of already did that with the story um i made a version of it it was a different story but similar setting that i ended up just not liking as much and i just stopped working on it and then this one came to be and and this is the one like it feels like the one mm-hmm. so yeah it is w- wine always tastes better when it's in the cellar for several years <laughs> <laughs> we'll cut that out but no yeah. no keep that in please. <laughs> i love it what i'm trying to do and take me with you is show kind of tell the story in multiple povs and kind of i feel like that's a good way to bring drama and also keep it light at times is if you kind of weave in and out of the, the kids POV and the, you know, the mother who's like really going through some shit. And then like the kid who's just like coloring and, and just like some of like the oddball characters, like, um, that a rural landscape can have. I'm not saying like, it's kind of a stereotype to say, but like rural small towns can have some weird characters. Mm-hmm. So they like, sure I, I, yeah. So I kind of want to like make them just like everyday people in my scripts. And like, even if they're kind of like weird and funny, like that's just who they are. Like, kind of like the scene where they get stranded on the road. Like I'm trying to like fix that character and make him more of just this more interesting kind of funny character. <laughs> so I like yeah. that idea. That's yeah. awesome. Uh, I would like to segue. Good talk. Good talks. Good talk. Yeah. Great good talks. Talk, guys. Good, talk. good questions. Uh, <laughs> but I would now like to segue to music videos because yeah. that's also a huge part of your life. And uh you've got several coming up soon and you've got a bunch of work um that you've done in the past 
And I guess my first question for you is, um, what do you take from making narratives Mm. um, that makes you a good music video director? Uh, I hope I'm a good music video director and I'm taking things from narratives. I don't, I I think, uh, man, I think what I'm taking from narrative, I think it's the other way around. I think I'm taking things from music video into narrative. Um, cause I think you can be creative with restrictions as in like, how do you get around these restrictions, which a narrative has, but I also think you can be very creative without restrictions, which I feel like a music video has. And I feel like just doing more experimental work in music videos, um, I can kind of bring, mm-hmm. you know, bits of that into narrative. And also to answer your first question or your question is that I, I, I you can take, narrative pieces and put it into like an experimental music video too yeah. so i guess it's just like uh i'm getting a little bit of from both i think gotcha. um yeah cool let's talk about your upcoming two music videos that you have coming up uh tell us about those okay so the first music video is for my friend grady who i think i mentioned on the last episode mm-hmm. and he's just a really good friend of mine who is a musician and he put out this very beautiful ep that's seven songs long um 12 minutes in total and it's called a place we can always go and it's very like experimental kind of indie pop um lots of different it's very genre bending like he kind of goes goes a lot of different places um but it's a very 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 beautiful ep and he wants to do a whole visual for all seven songs and so I just finished the past like couple weeks. I've just been like hardcore listening to it um, and making the treatment for it. And I think we're finally ready to start gathering everything else we need. And it's going to be a really cool project that I hope feels like what the music feels like because the music mm-hmm. produces such an amazing feeling when you listen to it that I hope the visuals can achieve that. We'll see. Ah. And then you got another, you got not just that music video, but you have another music video too. Yeah. And then the other music video is for my friend's stepdad and kind of going back to how you get gigs. Like you don't have to just like kind of why I think just being a good person in general can land you gigs um, from people that aren't in the film industry like my my friend's stepdad uh he is a chef like a really good chef i think he's a five-star chef and he also has this hobby of playing music and he's actually like really good at it though but obviously you got to pick one when you're a chef and so he just released he's releasing an ep as well and my friend porter like called me saying like yo like my my stepdad was trying to get like a music video together for one of his songs and he didn't like any of the people he was talking to for the budget he had and I'm like why not Tony and so he like called me and I'm like yeah like I'm so down like that sounds awesome (laughs) and so I got in contact with his stepdad and he sent me the song and the whole EP and it was a really cool sound and it's it's kind of something I've never um it's it's a genre I never worked with it's kind of um I'd say it's I'd say it's kind of like rock just um a little more modern rock, I guess. I don't really know how to explain it, but it's just nothing I've worked with before. And I thought the song was really good and had a cool message. And so I just finished the treatment for that, and now we're greenlit to start getting the 
the package together, which I hired Brandon to DP it. And it's going to be a cool project. That is so cool. (laughs) Yeah. So actually, one of my questions is just kind of for audience members out there who maybe want to get into directing music videos or doing commercials or things like that. How did you get that kind of freelance work? Like, what do you have to do as like an independent you know, director, I know you DP too, which actually like is kind of like a two in one thing for, you know, uh, helping yeah. promote yourself. I, I, I try to. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that, but you're really good. You're, Thank you, I know baby. we all have very high standards, but you're, you're very good. I'm not even putting on the shine. I'm just like, you're, you're above adequate. You're okay. <laughs> no, you're great. <laughs> you guys ask really good questions. That, that's a really good question. Um, I think people will tell you all the time. It's about who, you know, and like, that's like the classic LA quote you'll hear. Um, but what I kind of took from that when people would tell me that is, I just, I discovered that it's not, it's, it, well, it's, it's kind of a blend of, it's about who, you know, and who knows you. So when you first get here, you don't know anybody and you got to go know people, but I feel like it's good to have a body of work before you meet people. Um, if you're like me and like suck at those networking events, like, I don't know, someone please tell me how you do those, like those LA filmmaker networking events. I've been to a few and they're just <laughs> like, I don't know. It's just really difficult to truly like everyone I've met um has just been from you know talking about my work or showing them on the spot or it's uh just being just treat people with kindness and like just be a genuine good person um not just for your career but in life and you'll meet people who will want to work with you and will want to you know give you a budget for their wine label or their music video or their whatever I'm shooting and again, I, I think it's just a blend of just being a nice person and having like knowing people and having people know you. Yeah, absolutely. So I don't know. I don't think I've told this on the podcast yet. I don't, I really wouldn't have had the opportunity, but if I did, sorry, I don't think so. But when I met you, did I tell the story of when I met you? No, I don't think you did. Okay. So first of all, Okay, Anthony is such a badass. He like you like rolled up on a ska- skateboard. <laughs> so badass <laughs> and cool. It was. It was like, <laughs> oh my god, who is this kid? And then, um, so but my point is that there were two people uh, that were supposed to, you know, that were interviewing for the job, and I only had one job, and I actually liked Anthony so much that I created a position or we created a position for him as second AD because we gave first AD to Heather who we will be interviewing. In yeah. The next she was few way weeks. more qualified and yeah, she's amazing. She's but, yeah, amazing. Glad, yeah, which we'll but I, about. but honestly, uh, Anthony was so, you were, you are so genuine. That is like one of, like both of you guys are so genuine. And I know in LA in particular, there are so many people that aren't like that. And I know like I can always depend on you guys for anything. And that is like so rare. Um, and it's a running joke that I do ask you for endless favors because I do. But, um, but like, so I think that long story 
short I think that you probably like because that's who you are at your core Anthony like it comes across you know like when you're like meeting people and and also also like you're such a hard worker like you will always do the work like you will like sacrifice sleep you'll sacrifice social life like um so I guess these are qualities that I'm letting other filmmakers know are an asset it's not like it's easy you do have to make sacrifices um but if you're like really genuine and you're really willing to do the work I think that the work will come to you yeah I couldn't say it better myself I agree I think with that final (laughs) wonderful heavenly note by Katie, I think we should probably start wrapping this podcast up because we've been talking for two hours. Have we really? Or maybe like a full hour. Okay. I I was was like, like, two hours? (laughs) A full hour. I don't even have to pee. What? (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe maybe we do dive more into. Sure. If you want to ask a few more questions and like, yeah, I don't care. We can wrap up. Um, okay, I'll do the final before Brandon does his does his little thing at the end. Okay. So my question is, where do you see yourself in five years as both like a filmmaker and as a human being? Like, what would be mm. your ideal setup in five years if you could paint it? I don't even see where I'm going to be tomorrow, but um, <laughs> I think <laughs> I think in five years, I hope to have two features done. And as a human being, that's that's what I want as a filmmaker. Um, I know that's kind of surface, but yeah, just that's just two features done. And then as a human being, I just want to be content. <laughs> Aww, that's <laughs> I don't so know. cool. And it <laughs> has nothing to do with making the two features. That would definitely help a lot. Um, and I'm not saying I'm not content right now. I am, but content as in just like wherever I'm at in five years. I hope I'm <laughs> content with it. Well, thank you, Anthony, for you your words of wisdom. And hopefully yeah. your experiences inspire other filmmakers to pursue and be a great human being like you are. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I hope there. I hope there are things in there that people can take, you know, take from. Um and again like if you have any suggestions or comments please email us or instagram dm us or you know our personal instagrams are on the actual this industry life instagram page so if you even want to reach out to me personally about something like please do slide into those dms hell yeah anthony wilson (laughs) (laughs) so with that we will wrap up this podcast episode uh, you can you can uh, find us on Instagram at this industry life um, podcast and in that profile you can find Anthony's Instagram, Katie's Instagram, my Instagram. So go follow us. If you have any questions, you can DM us. You can also email us at industrylifepodcast at gmail dot com. And yeah, you guys got anything? Are you doing your movie thing or no? Oh yeah. Oh right, right. Oh, on the spot. That means I have to. That's think what of I it. thought. I jumped ahead on. I was like, "Oh, freak!" Um, you're a storyteller. You got it. <laughs> yeah, I always think of these right before we have to. Do no, them. you kill these every time. <laughs> like I always try to. I think so hard. Like in the middle of like, for, just to be honest, like while we were interviewing you, in the middle of it, I was like, "Okay, how are we gonna? How am I gonna ask it? What's the what's the predicament?" Um, and I couldn't think of anything. Okay.
Anthony's grandma has this thing called the, <gasps> yes. the the movie must watch movie much you 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 talk about it Anthony. my grandma <laughs> gave me a list one time <laughs> and it was printed out and it's had a list of movies you need to watch and that's it so your uh, your grandmammy she has Aww. a a list that was given to her by a film professor and it was the top 10 movies it's like 40 to, yeah top, top 40 movies to watch um what three movies on that lit or what three movies would you give to people that they must watch okay i would say maybe because i just watched it and had a profound effect on me i'd say my neighbor totoro by hayao miyazaki wow and then my second one would be Umberto D by Vittoria De Sica, which is like just an Italian neorealism film that's also had a profound effect to me in college. And then I'd say my last one, man, it's a toss up, but I'm going to have to give it to Airbud. No, I'm just kidding. I'm going to have to give it to, oh um, I'm gonna, sorry, I'm just trying to think. I think E2 Mama Tambien by Alfonso yeah. Cuaron. Yeah. And there we go. Yeah. The Grandmammy's list. I no. think she'd hate all those movies, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> but it's okay. Uh, yeah. Well, thank you, listeners, for tuning in to uh, this week's podcast. And tune in next week where we interview Katie. And then, yeah. And then if you want to, you can skip back the week before and watch, and listen to uh, my interview. So that way you get to know all your hosts and then we can start interviewing people and you get to learn from new filmmakers and hopefully we will build a community, learn together and enjoy the industry life (laughs) and grow together, (laughs) grow together. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for your questions and, uh, for the time. And I, I appreciate it. I don't talk about myself often, so, um, it's it's nice to sometimes and kind of work things out through hard questions. Exactly. Like my scripts. Like I feel like I learned a couple of things from Katie just asking a couple of questions or even from you Aww. asking a couple of things. So appreciate it guys. <laughs> Alright, we're getting very, very awkward in this podcast, so let's uh, <laughs> let's let's wrap this up. Alright. Alright, I already wrapped it, so uh, yeah, it's it's wrapped up in a blanket. It. That's it. Okay. Later, y'all. Thanks for thanks for tuning in.